Welcome to the World of Procurement podcast, where we talk all things procurement, supply chain, and commercial contract management. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes from Icarus Consultancy. Today, we've got an absolute incredible, insightful, impactful podcast from the procurement doctor, Kartik Rama. Kartik is one of those rare guys that has worked in a lot of different businesses and has transformed procurement departments, has set them up from almost a blank slate. And crazy, crazily enough, it is crazy for me anyway, he's closed down over 35,000. Let that number sink in, 35,000 contracts. So we're just going to talk about how he's approached his contract closure work, some step-by-step process, a guide on how you can do this within your business and why you should be doing it. We get a bit of an insight into Kartik himself, why he calls himself the procurement doctor. And it's just a really, just a really insightful conversation. One of the best I've ever had. I really hope you enjoy this. I hope you get some benefit out of this. Let me know on LinkedIn how much you gained from this, this episode. Enjoy my friends. Let's jump in with the uh, first question then, Kartik. So you've got a really good LinkedIn presence. You make content on there. And I've noticed, and I think everyone will notice this about you. You're, you're actually called the procurement doctor. Like, what's the story behind that? Well, I'm uh, usually called into procurement organizations when they're in a pandemic like a situation or when they want to get healthier in terms of the procurement process. And uh, what I do is uh, I end up diagnosing their issues, uh, present the findings that I've diagnosed so that that's part of my job and then provide my recommendations on how to get healthier or cure their procurement uh, issues. So that's what I do. And that's why people end up calling me the procurement doctor. I also am uh, called a lot upon for second opinions, which is work that somebody else has done. And they want me to come in and give my second opinion if they're going in the right track or not. Not, And uh, it's been close to 13 years that I've been doing multiple roles. So this is this is why I call myself a procurement doctor. On a side note, my mother always wanted me to be a doctor. So at least I get to be a doctor this way. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that, 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 that's brilliant. I, lo- I love every part of that. Yeah, you get to keep your mom happy. And yeah, no, it makes sense now. I mean, I... I the, the whole diagnostic part is a great little way to draw that in. And to, let's be honest, personal branding on LinkedIn is such a, a good way to get noticed, to get new opportunities. And you're, you're, you're killing it on that front. So that, that's great, really. Absolutely. And uh, it, it's, I wanted to be a little different. And it's, this is how I get to be different. Um, I see a lot of folks uh, calling themselves experts or not. But I want the people to decide whether I'm an expert or not. So I don't want to call it out myself. So this way, at least it comes across as somebody who's specialized in a particular area. And I bring that to the table. Do you think it's important to, to, to sort of differentiate yourself from others? Like you say, loads of people have, I'm a procurement expert, supply chain expert, something like that in their, say, on their LinkedIn bio or in in certain roles that they've completed it will say oh well, i'm an expert in this do you think it's giving you a, a slight edge in terms of getting opportunities by standing out a little bit more by calling yourself that that procurement doctor absolutely uh, see i i got a lot, lot of people uh, pinging me who i don't know as well uh, 
what kind of a title is that? So, so at least I get to talk to people, explain what it is. And uh, I know a few folks who call me doctor now, so that makes me feel good. And it definitely is a differentiator as opposed to the generic uh, titles that I see or headlines that I see, uh, expert, or procurement transformational expert, things like that. So um, I see a, a big impact in it. It was a little odd for me in the beginning, but now I've grown up, <laughs> grown on to it <laughs> with that uh, new headline. So, you know, the first few, um, first few months, you're not sure whether it does it sound funny or is, is it is it even making an impact. But now I see uh, it's been like close to a year and a half now. Now I call, I myself think of, uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm the doctor of procurement. So it's convinced me after talking to so many people. No, I, I honestly I think it's great. And when I I mean I got a lot more active on LinkedIn maybe 12 months ago to 16 months ago, and mm-hmm. You, I, I'm sure, I, I can't remember how long we've been connected on there. It's a little while now, yep. but your profile and the procurement doctor has stood out to me beyond pretty much any other profile I've seen, just because it's so different in this, in our world. So it's, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's having the desired effect for sure. Absolutely. You touched on some of the, uh, the analogies uh, of the procurement doctor name there that you go into organizations companies and you do sort of diagnostic type work and you might offer second opinions on the types of activities they're undertaking so like what is your main specialism uh Kartik? so my uh, specialism is uh, more so the sourcing process supplier process and contracts process so these are my key areas i i it's i've done more work on these three, these three areas but i've done some work in the invoicing piece as well as the procurement, uh, the requisition to pay cycle as well. And um, it's it's a lot of uh, work that I've done over the years, but a lot of it majorly contributes to contracts. Uh, I ended up starting off as the basic procurement guy who's uh, managing a category. And then that, that the organization that I was in, they ended up taking up a procurement transformation, wherein they were trying to bring in, consolidate all the procurement systems, as well as bring in a new system that could replace all those systems. And I was, I played an active role and that's how I got into the consulting framework of uh, going in and setting up procurement organizations ground up, uh, whether there's someone who's uh, a paper-based organization and uh, who don't have a system and help them build the process, the team and the technology together. So that's how I've been doing for a while now. Um, the closest among all these three processes is uh, contracts, definitely for me. I've had to have the uh, privilege of uh, learning a lot of the contract piece, uh, working with some top-notch lawyers from different parts of the world, um, learning and fighting as well, because they're, they're difficult <laughs> to handle. And uh, that that's the fun part, right? Because they at least they listen to you if you have a valid point, but if you're not talking something sense, they would just outright uh, disbar you out of the conversation. So that's how I learned it, uh, talking to many people over the years. And uh, as a part of my overall career, I, I, will, I ended up cleaning up a lot of contracts. So I had, I've cleaned up, cleaned up close to 35,000 contracts so far. So I've uh, learned a lot of tricks and through these, uh, while doing these 35,000 contract cleanups with different organizations. So uh, I, 
I've become an expert at that, thanks to the experience or the opportunities that I got over the years. It's incredible what you do, like building up organizations, uh, procurement functions, in effect, from the ground up. And the whole piece on contract closure and covering 35,000 plus contracts is insane. I mean, what, 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 what's the deal with contract closures? Like, why, why does it need to be done? What does closing down a contract properly give to a company or organization? Well, I, I'd like to ask a question on that to you as a fact. Okay. Uh, so sure. would you prefer driving a car that hasn't been serviced or you have the check engine light on, it makes a lot of noise? Or would you be driving a nice Tesla, which is fuel efficient, smooth to ride with minimal issues in it? So what's your preference, Daniel? You, you picked the perfect analogy there because I'm in love with Tesla. Tesla's and <laughs> constantly dream of it. And I've almost ordered the Cybertruck numerous times. So th- that's a great analogy. Yeah, no, definitely. Right. Definitely go for the, the Tesla, the, the nice clean car, the efficient model. Definitely. Absolutely, right? So it's it's basically smooth procurement operations. That's, that's why mm-hmm. you need a clean contract database for your, for your organizations. And somehow uh, it is the second fiddle in most organizations, procurement organizations is what I've seen. It's always savings. I want to negotiate. My main job is to bring down the cost. And then this is this is like not so top on the priority list. And it ends up piling up and up and up. And it turns out to be a mess. And usually, it's surprising to me that I've worked with many uh, Fortune 500 companies. And they got such a big mess in their contract database. And uh, they're very efficient, but they could do a lot better if they had a good contract database or if they were able to manage the contracts better. And the few things that I've seen is it's like a vicious circle of expired contracts that you're never, never able to renew and escalations and you don't know what the SLAs are. Like the current situation that you see, uh, if your organization uh, needs the pricing of medical supplies for from a particular supplier and you don't know what the pricing is, it's somewhere in a contract for you to find it itself is a task. That's a bad situation to be in. Or if you don't know if the latest uh, latest cyber security law or your force majority uh, clause is applied in what contracts. If you don't know that, then it's it's you, you don't know where your contracts are. And a few other examples I've seen is uh, I, you have 20 different amendments, or 20 different SOWs, but you don't have SOW number 21 23 and 30. <laughs> so you don't know where the history is. So when you're trying to go back and renegotiate SW 635, you're like, I don't know what happened to these three. You end up asking the supplier. It, it seems so bad that you're asking the supplier for the document that you, you own. So it's a, this, these are the situations that I've seen. And uh, it, it's usually... People focus on their contracts uh, right around the end of the year, whenever they're going to expire. And by then it's too late. And that, that keeps happening over years and it ends up being a big mess. And uh, this is why I, it's very important for the procurement leaders of today to recognize what state that their contracts are at. And they need to look at it and at least put in some side effort to ensure to uh, improve. Uh, fix them you need to know each and every contract where it is and what it does this is a topic that's 
pretty close to my heart as well over the last sort of uh, now probably nine months this has pretty much been my focus as well with two different clients that i've i've been having to clean up contracts close contracts do various things to to uh share information with businesses around what the contracts actually say because businesses tend to like you say they they sign contracts up they kind of worry about all the source and stuff and then yeah. forget about it i mean what would you say is what what sort of practical steps are there involved in getting clean contracts and clean data because that's kind of what we're talking about here and getting them all the way through to closing down contracts effectively and properly like what what are some of the practical steps organizations can take or people like yourself take to to ensure that happens so we want to know what do we what do we do what do we do to with the mess that's been created or you want to know how do we fix it the first time i i think both okay. would be really good to explore if you can go into just as much detail as you want here yeah. really carte sure. on that for sure yeah for if you want to do it right the first time uh, you definitely need to have a strong contract management process and good mm. checks uh, you need to have a good uh, database of your contract templates, the fallback language. It's like it shouldn't be this way that uh, you have three different people who review the contracts, three different lawyers, and three different lawyers have their own style of writing the clause. And uh, when somebody leaves the organization, uh, you don't know what the fallback language is. And uh, you should also have a proper uh, methodology. What I've seen when you're trying to get in a new contract. Uh, the usual mess up I've seen is uh, people don't use the system or the process. The end user goes up, goes, goes to the supplier, gets it signed, and comes back and gives it to procurement and says, here's a signed contract, uh, issue the PO, right? So things like that. The other issues I've seen is where uh, you have a threshold for a contract to be initiated, maybe a hundred pounds or 50,000 pounds and over, there needs to be a contract in place. Most organizations don't even have a governance model as to how do you know when, when that uh, threshold is met. So you need to ensure that that's part of your governance or your contract creation process to ensure that you don't have a further messed up database. Um, when you're, the other piece I've seen is um, kind of having, an, having a contract abstract document. You know, what's an abstract document? It's like uh, the CPO or the CFO doesn't need to sit and go through the 42-page document. So you have kind of uh, one single pager giving you the key clauses and what that contract's about. And that's like kind of a cover letter on top of the contract. This doesn't necessarily need to go to the supplier, but it's for internal organizational purposes, If you, at least for your key critical contracts. So these things definitely help you manage your uh, new contract. Whenever you have a new contract in place, having these steps in, 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 in place would definitely help. Um, another, uh, uh, part of the process is uh, I've seen uh, a few organizations like when you're right from draft to negotiation to execution in the contract. Uh, after execution, you're going to go in and put in the dates and uh, you're going to publish the contract. So right then when they're publishing the contract, they're kind of are putting a renewal strategy in place of what we would do when the contract's coming up for expiry. Do we need to reach out to the end user to see if we want to extend or we close it out? Or do we need to go back and revalidate what all expenses spent happened against the contract? So you could have that kind of a, a structure 
wherein you know what you're going to do when it's going to expire as well. So these are the few things that you could do uh, from a process standpoint uh, on a contract creation process as such. Now, uh, moving on to how do you fix the mess? How do you clean up? How do you clo bring closure to this? Uh, and let's take an example, like you have 35,000 contracts in, in your organization uh, and uh, you don't know where what contract is. Few examples I've seen in the past is where uh, the, the mess up was created externally. Okay, you were moving from one system to the other and you don't have enough time to do it yourself or look at it closely enough. So you gave it to a third party team who, who went in and did the transition of contracts from one database to the other. And they pulled, pulled through all the contracts, but they messed it up uh, very badly. There's no linkage between a master and a sub. You don't know what, they didn't have the supplier, so they didn't tag the supplier per contract. Uh, in, a, in the digital inventory is what I'm talking. So that could be a cause. Another one is like we spoke in the beginning where uh, it kept piling on over years, neglected and it got uh, bad. So uh, as a part of the cleanup methodology or the process, uh, what, what I've seen work best is uh, a couple of steps. I'll, I'll walk you through the steps uh, majorly. Uh, the first step I call it is the assemble inventory. So it's like you first are trying to understand uh, are all the contracts in my database? So many people go in for the cleanup, but they don't know where the contract is. For instance, you have a, a, a procurement system which is housing your contracts, but uh, maybe 30, 40% of the contracts are not in the system as yet. So I've seen that happen a lot in other organizations. So you end up reaching out to the end users or a few organizations have, have the habit of using a shared drive or one drive where they also store the contracts. They don't want to use the current technology. So they, they find it easier pulling the contracts there. And uh, a lot of the contracts don't end up coming into the system. So first we need to assemble the inventory where we need to gather all these contracts from different locations, maybe email, shared drives, hard copies that you have in your, uh, in your file cabinet that need to be scanned. So you bring it all together in one place just so that you don't miss out on uh, pulling them into, this, uh, into the system. And then you need to analyze those contracts uh, and there's different ways to analyze this. One is you have different, uh, um, this simple macros that you can run in the, through Excel, which would extract the database, give you the number of contract files, the, what they're named and things like that. And then if you find anything missing, you need to create a record of that contract, regardless of whether it is closed or it was expired or it's an old contract or a new contract, or whatever it is, we need to create a source of truth for it because you want your organization to use that system as a single source of truth for your contracts in the future. So that, that's what the second step is. Whereas what we're doing is we're creating a digital footprint of that particular contract from which was missing in the database. Uh, that's what the second step is. The, uh, the third step that we have is called assembling the, the cleanup tracker. So this is basically your guide to go ahead and start the cleanup efforts. So basically, it's it's a you're building up the entire process of uh, how do you do the cleanup. So a couple of things out here is you need to have an extract of the digital contract dump, all the contracts that you have uh, with the dates, dollars, uh, deliverables, the, uh, the the expiration dates, the effective dates, the owner of it, all of that details would come in a spreadsheet 
and then you align that with the last invoice paid against that particular contract. So that is a, that would be another report that you would extract from your finance system. Uh, I've seen a lot of organizations not being able to uh, track it down to the contract level. So if that is not the case, you can at least have a supplier level spend report. What was the spend for that supplier for the last three years, just to understand if the contract's been used or not. If you have, if you have a, a big chunk of contracts, so this way you are at least uh, setting up to see which ones need to be focused, focused versus not. Uh, and another uh, criteria that you need to align is your um, uh, suppliers that are critical or of high risk, or you categorize your suppliers in a particular manner, whether it's it's your critical supplier or, or high risk supplier. Critical supplier could be somebody if he stops working or if he stops performing, your organization's balance sheet is going to go down. So these are your critical suppliers, uh, which high spend and things like that. And high risk are somebody who's hand managing some something really confidential uh, in your organization. And if he leaks out the information or if he, does, if he doesn't do his job well, then you are at stake, you could be uh, sued. So contracts of that kind, which are of high stakes. So you need to align these because we don't want to just clean up the entire 35,000 contracts at once. So you want to focus and drive them on from the top most priority to the least most priority. This is how we get the priority out of it. And uh, the one after that is uh, assigning a, a recommended strategy on how we want to clean this mess. So how do we come with the strategy? It is basically the last invoice paid date or the spend for the last three years and the expiration date of the contract, okay? And then uh, the contract, the supplier status as well, whether it's high, critical or whatever. So basis this, we come up with different strategies and this step is basically us spoon feeding or helping the uh, category manager or the sourcing lead take the decision on what needs to be done on the contract. And he doesn't, he needs to be feeling comfortable that yes, this is the right decision. I think we should close this contract or uh, I think we should still keep it open. Uh, let's, uh, I will go in and do the negotiation. So th this is what the assigned strategy piece is. A few other uh, aspects which are quick hits in contracts is uh, a contract that's been there for a while. It, it was a trial agreement and, tri and there wasn't a master agreement after the trial that was made. Or you might have independent SOWs that, uh, that, don't, that, that are not governed by a master agreement and they've been expired and they've been used many, many uh, years ago. So these are few easy kills. You can just go in and uh, convince the category manager and he would be comfortable clo closing these contracts as well. Uh, and a major chunk of this, these are, is because there's no follow through. After using the SOW, uh, someone's gone and forgot to gone in, uh, go in and close the contract. And uh, that's what uh, these cases are major. And, a major chunk of the work uh, in these steps is between the assemble cleanup tracker and uh, assigning the uh, recommended strategy. So because there's a lot of background work that goes on in these two steps. And after that is uh, idly sitting with the category managers or the sourcing leads, walking them through the recommendations or having multiple calls. Uh, so we split it by each category by uh, within an organization, we sit and help them the decision basis their decision we go in and start 
cleaning up the database in terms of closing out a contract or extending it and uh, go, going ahead and fixing all the uh, mess that's been created over the years. And uh, so it's sending the invitations and then once this, this is what the category lead mentions, you go in and start the cleanup effort in the system. And uh, this is what has worked uh, best, what I've seen uh, by working over the last 35,000 contracts. And there are a few tweaks in the process, a few organizations I've seen, uh, like a, a particular organization that I work with in, in the States, they had a new uh, a, a clause for, um, for their uh, data privacy. So they wanted to implement that in at least uh, 1,000 of their contracts. So that's something that was pulled into this uh, effort. And we went in and made the changes in the system and sent out new new contracts with the additional addendum of, of the new language. So things like that is what we uh, entails in this process. Karthi, I've, that that's incredible. All of that, as you've been talking there, just going through everything mentally, I, I do quite similar work to you mm -hmm. as well. So I, I, I'm i going to steal a few of your, your tips there. But I mean, I'm, I'm just going to quickly just summarize it real quick for, for for everyone's benefit there. So what you do is you, you collate all the contracts into sort of one place, because like you say, they, they're, they can be in many places, SharePoint, OneDrive, personal drives, which is uh, my absolute bugbear where people <laughs> keep it on their own like desktops. Like, I don't know why so many people do that instead of putting it onto like shared servers or the, the cloud storages or, or, or even like most, well, a lot of places now try and keep all their documents within their procurement software yep. and things like that. But like you say, a lot of places still don't, they still don't, they don't use them, do they? They're, they're, like you said, they still use basic finance tools that kind of just generate purchase yep. orders. Um, and, and, and this can be a massive problem there. Uh, you analyze it all. You effectively you make a, you, you make a spreadsheet and you get all the data as good as possible. Uh, you track all the missing information to create a single source of truth and then you assemble your cleanup tracker which is kind of like your your main document to, to help you through this and that's got to detail all the relevant information around the supplier dates owners uh, spend and as, as much as possible and then you can kind of start thinking about all those contracts that may belong to your critical or high risk suppliers or you know, or your key suppliers, yeah. as some organisations may call it, and you kind of typically work through those suppliers first, the ones that are the highest risk to your business. Should anything happen with yeah. those those contracts, and you typically look at spend data for the last few years, the expiry dates and criticality of that supplier to to build that, which I think is is a really good way to prioritise that. It's a really sound way to do it and then that, and that's when you can start engaging with the business then with your category managers and sourcing needs to to because they're the ones that need to make that decision right. don't they, at the end of the day you can make all the recommendation in the world but this is just a so this exercise effectively is to allow the category managers sourcing needs however the business operates not all businesses obviously operate in that yeah. category model but it's just to give whoever <clears throat> is the the owner of these contracts is it just to give them enough trust enough confidence that they can close down a contract without it coming back to bite them absolutely in the and what i've done in certain occasions uh, out here is uh, i've gone to the cpo for all the closures for mm. the entire organization and he took the decision on behalf of all the cat, cat managers because he didn't want them to invest their time on this 
So he took the decision on behalf of the entire organization on the easy kills. And then he left the ones where I gave a recommendation to the cat manager saying that uh, this needs to be renewed because it's it's up for expiry or it's expired and there's an invoice out there. So you are running a process on an expired contract. So this definitely needs to renew. So things like that, he wanted his team to focus on and uh, take those actions. That, that sounds incredible actually because you're freeing up the time of all the category managers in that example. The CPO can make the the sort of the, the, the call for, like you say, those lower risk ones. Like you mentioned, when you've got a standalone uh, statement of works that have maybe been used once, they might have some standard terms or conditions bolted onto them, but they were only intended yeah. as a one-time thing. Just, just get rid of all those and only let the category managers worry about the ones that are really going to potentially impact their their future delivery so yeah that's incredible really and i think you made a a really good point in, in that you know this whole process is is cleaning up your your contract data your contract understanding which would which should hopefully lead to a lot of contract closures you don't want a lot of open contracts on your books it's a like you say it's an administrative nightmare and a strategic nightmare to make decisions but you also made a really good point that this also allows you to go back through or your existing contracts, make changes to those those existing ones, like yeah. the the American company, they needed to change the clause, or you may just it, it may even allow companies, I guess, to just go back and renegotiate various Absolutely. elements of those contracts once they've got a clear. So we've had opportunities such as uh, payment term consolidations. So I have a I have like fourteen different contracts with IBM, and we have different pay terms on different contracts. So because everyone did their own contract, so. One had net 60 days, another one had net 45, another one had net 90 days. So these were things that we found out as results out of the cleanup effort. So we did payment term consolidations, supplier consolidations, where we had unnecessarily not, too many agreements with the same supplier with multiple people, because basically the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. So these are the things that come out of the cleanup effort and uh, organizations don't really realize that the benefits that you extract out of such an effort i think that's a, a powerful message and it kind of links back to what you were saying before you were talking about all the the actual cleanup activities you can actually avoid having to do any of this work if you just have a good process in place about actually how to manage your your contracts so the process there could easily be you know make sure you all follow this standard payment clause that's in right. every contract for example so I mean, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. And I mean, it's a good point that you said, like a lot of companies aren't going to sort of realize the benefits of doing this. I mean, what are like your, the key benefits you kind of think the that, what are the key benefits that organizations get from doing this sort of activity, activity? either getting it right in the, the first place or what's the impact once it's all cleaned up? Just like what's, what, 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 how does it improve their business? Absolutely. So you wanted a good point as well, uh, Daniel. What, what I, it's important to stop the leakage. It's like uh, that, that's where having the new contract process fixed and it's learnings from the cleanup effort. You know where all you messed up and that should be coming, uh, coming in as a governance or a bridging mechanism in your new contract process. So that's how you stop the leakage from not continuing to make a mess of your contracts. That is key. And in terms of the benefits that you get out of this is, like I said already, the payment term consolidation. Uh, the year that I 
have started executing the cleanup effort, uh, most of the sourcing leads have had have achieved their savings target or have exceeded the savings target because they knew what contracts are where and which ones are up for renewals, which could be uh, negotiated ahead of time. Uh, they, so they had a lot of opportunity in terms of savings. So I've seen that happen uh, with me. Uh, uh, it's a less stressful procurement organization, <laughs> definitely. So that, that, it's, it's less havoc. Uh, you're not tensed with that email that comes from your boss about what's what's up with this. Can you tell? We have we need to we have this new work that came up from the business. What do we do? And you are like scrambling around to understand where do I what do I go what do I do where do I go so that and uh, it's a little to very low expired contracts in your database so that's the ideal way to have the organization so once you do this cleanup effort once you have the process in place these are the benefits that you uh, that you'll have you have you know exactly which contract is on what status and what does that contract do so that is the ideal state of uh, uh, the world. So after the cleanup effort, this is what we want to achieve. I think it's incredibly powerful to have all that information at your disposal suddenly, especially if you've never had it or haven't had it for some while, suddenly understanding what is the current state of your contracts. Like you said, it's easy, easy savings for category managers if they're, if their performance is measured on savings. They can just cut a bunch of contracts out that they're probably paying maybe yearly fees for and they weren't even getting any benefit out of them. So yeah, it's a, it's a great point there. I mean, is there anything else you've got to add to that, Karthi? I think you've given us a fairly comprehensive guide that anyone could kind of take and implement in their business going forward. Well, I, I think so. The, the few of the differences that make out here is the, on a general organizational level is you have more control over your spend. So there's great great visibility to the leadership and you definitely are going to save time and money by doing this. So that, that's what I overall envision at a very larger picture for an organi organization that wants to clean up their contracts. I think having that vision at the, the start is incredible. Saves time, saves money. And I think there's a lot of sayings around time and money isn't there with businesses so you, if you're going to save time you're definitely going to make more money as a commercial entity so it's, it's the best thing a lot of companies could do going forwards awesome Kartik. I thanks so much for coming on the podcast today really appreciate it i think this has been such a great way to share information you've provided even more than I thought you were going to. I, I mean, we've been talking for a little <laughs> while and I knew, I, I've been excited about this because I thought we were without, because we haven't gone into detail together so far about the kinds of work we, we've both been doing, but we work in very similar areas. We do very same activities. Okay. I'm legal background. So I work very in-depthly with contract clauses and contract tidy up activities as well. And it's just been great to talk to you and kind of sanitize everything I've been doing as well um, because I'm glad I kind of follow the same sort of steps that you do, which it kind of makes me feel a bit better about everything. <laughs> at least but, you know, at least you know very, that there's another guy doing it. So it must not lesser likelihood it. of it being wrong. I thought <laughs> I thought I was the, uh, well, sometimes I think I'm the only one doing these sort of things for businesses. So it, it's really good to find out someone as, as passionate as I am on 
getting good contract administration, good contract management. And, and you know what, Daniel? Sorry, sorry to cut you there. The funny, funny piece sorry, is, no, it's fine. if you don't do this right, okay, if you're someone who's helping an organization fix their contracts, okay, and you did a mess of it, that organization will remember you for their life, and they'll curse you forever. So you better do a good job. Exactly. <laughs> like, no, even I left an organization like uh, eight, nine years ago. They still call me and they say, thank you so much, Karthik. This is so good. <laughs> so I thought if I didn't do it well, imagine how they would curse me. Because I was cursing the person who did the transition previously <laughs> before me. So I was like, oh my God, what a mess this is. And uh, you definitely don't want to leave that impression with the customer. And if you mess it up, they are pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they're not going to come back to you ever. So you got to be good in, when you're doing this. Completely agree with that. I, I, it, yeah, it's powerful. They always say that if, if you receive a good service, you typically only tell about one person. And if you receive a bad service, you tell everyone. And social media and Absolutely. emails and everything else now makes that so much easier. And everyone talks to everyone else within the, uh, the industries within the world. So you want to get a good reputation. But no, thanks so much, Kartik, for jumping on this podcast it's been extremely valuable. Thank you so much, Dave, Daniel, for having me as a guest. And uh, I'm really honored to talk to someone. I think you're the only uh, guy who I've ever spoken to who's had a million views on YouTube. So that's an honor for me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for that. <laughs> Kartik blew my mind in this podcast. He was really selfless with the level of detail he gave in this podcast. And I know that so many of you are probably trying to undertake these sorts of exercises. You're, you might be staring at a, a huge mound of contracts that haven't really had any good contract administration on. Your contract management activities are suffering because you don't know where contracts are, what your obligations are, what your clauses are. I think you get it. Kartik delivers so much value and really brought home why you need to be doing these sort of things daily weekly and not just once every now and again make sure you go and check out Kartik on linkedin i'll leave his links below and we'll see you on the next episode of the world of procurement podcast this podcast was brought to you by icarus consultancy who specialize in all things procurement, supply chain, and commercial contract management in the defense and aerospace arenas. Check us out at icarus.uk.com. We'll see you soon.